All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 36 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We thank you yet again for joining us for another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Travis White. Travis, uh, how's the weather where you are right now? How's the weather? Yeah, how's the weather? Oh, it's definitely not cold. It's definitely not cold. It's not? Not a cold day. No. (laughs) Not a cold day in hell here. Okay, so I I guess you're not in hell. That's, That's good to know, because apparently it is... Nope. <laughs> it is a cold day in hell here on Talking Taker. We are covering the May 1997 edition of In Your House with a kind of, I think, a, uh, a forgotten match, kind of an overlooked match uh, with The Undertaker defending. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The Undertaker defending the WWF Championship in May of 97 against Stone Cold Steve Austin. <coughs> Got my son. Yeah, that guy. He's that so good. <laughs> took so my breath away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. You know, we've reviewed a couple of these their raw matches. I don't think I even realized this match happened. I thought the first time they met on pay per view would have been in ninety eight. So this was neat to go back in and watch and especially all the the small build up. It's neat to see some of these raws and what all is transpiring here. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing you probably had never seen this one before. Uh, I had actually, I'd never seen this one before. I don't remember ever uh, renting this video or ever even seeing it. I don't know if it got a super wide release, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I I don't, this was, I was really, this was one of the ones uh, going through the list, uh, your spreadsheet of matches. uh, I was real excited about seeing because I'd never seen this one. And like you said, we've seen a few, uh, their raw matches. Uh, so I was real intrigued by this one, uh, uh, seeing Undertaker and Stone Cold go at it in the main event of this pay-per-view. So let's dig into how it happened, why it happened, and what happened when it happened. <laughs> yes, and who it happened to. And who it happened to. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Yeah, it uh, starts off. Uh, we're, we're... Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of spreadsheet, we're going to have to amend that spreadsheet yet again because... Takes Royal Rumble in a casket match. He's facing the great Chris Jericho as of this recording. So that's pretty neat. Pretty we'll cool. Get to that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you said as of this recording because the match, uh, you know, I was, I thought we were going to talk about on this episode uh, the surprising announcement that Undertaker was going to fight Rusev in a casket match at the Greatest Royal Rumble. But right. just a couple days after that being announced and confirmed, it's been changed around to Chris Jericho. Which I, I love, yep. you know. You know, I celebrate Rusev Day every day, but uh, yes, to me, it's an upgrade. Uh, seeing Chris Jericho and Undertaker battle in a casket sure. match, come on, uh, that that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, one of their few one-on-one encounters. But we'll cover that in a couple years on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, we may anyway, drop in yeah. some uh, initial reaction uh, in <laughs> sure. a few weeks when it happens. But yeah, we'll we'll sure. do a whole podcast on it. One day. Yeah, and all the wonderful build-up to it. <laughs> That'll be a 20-second uh, podcast. Anyway. It'll be like one of our early episodes, the 25-minute yeah. episodes. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff happened back then. So, 
But here we are in 1997, uh, coming off the, the our last podcast we covered. Um, golly, what was that one? In your house, uh, Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Taker. Taker. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. The night at, that was the whole snafu with the the lighting the the flash paper and that huge horrible mess of a botchamania. And we mentioned on that episode that that episode of Raw preceding that was so bad that Vincent Mann um, made a a booking change, a uh, booking committee. As Tony Schiavone would say, uh, change. And Vince Russo becomes a head time writer. And as far as I could tell, all the research I've done in the last week or so has led me to the conf- to confirm that this Raw of April 21st, 97 was in fact Vince Russo's first Raw. And it definitely shows with the epic storytelling throughout. This is a classic episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, not necessarily for The Undertaker, but for everything else that transpires. Um, his opponent, Steve Austin. Uh, that we're going to cover here. Uh, all the stuff that happens on this episode of Raw with him and Bret Hart is uh, fantastic, man. Oh, but yeah. Watching this. I mean, this is the Stone Cold show, uh, and I guess we have Vince Russo to thank for that. He is all over this episode of Raw, and it, it has really, if you go back and watch this episode, it has all the Vince Russo trademarks. I mean, there is a whole month's yeah worth of storylines that they blow through in this episode of Raw. It feels like it's just jam-packed with uh, stuff. Uh, it ends with Brian Pillman coming back and attacking Stone Cold. Really, really cool stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so much going on here and you know, so much cool stuff. Uh, I will say, though, I was not a fan of the uh, – did you see this Iron Man match between Rockabilly and Jesse James? It, it felt like it was about 75 well, minutes long. Let's just skip that. <laughs> It did. It did. It was awful. Oh, man. Oh, man. But in all seriousness, getting the beginning of this episode, again, this is April 21st. Um, Austin comes out, and I think uh, JR on commentary just tells us, here's your number one contender for the WWF title. He'll be meeting Taker at uh, In Your House 15 on May 11th. So, again, just kind of randomly naming people. Same happened last month with Mankind. Thank God for JR to let us know who's number one contender. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll continue to see that uh, in next month's yeah. episode as well, and, and maybe some future ones. I, I I don't know if we're missing something on Superstars or Shotgun Saturday Night or something, because, yeah, they're just naming these uh, number one. There's no number one contenders matches. There's nothing. And I think it it probably goes back to what we've talked about a little bit in how it, it really seems like everything's in flux in the WWF right sure. now. The booking plans, I mean, this is the beginning of that era of where things are changing week to week, day to day. It's not the time of you know, WrestleMania 4 and 5 where it's like, okay, we know we're going to get here. Uh, we're, we know what we're going to do a year out from now. We're going to book towards that and build towards right. that. It's not Vincent Mann and Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard sitting around the pool uh, booking everything out. It is, <laughs> okay, we got to fill two hours of TV. Let's just start throwing stuff at the wall. Oh, crap, we got another pay-per-view this month. Oh, put put stone cold in there whatever we'll we'll figure out a way to get there uh and yeah that's just that seems to be evident uh in these episodes of raw absolutely i feel you and not um mankind you know he lost the night before um at in your house revenge or excuse me revenge of the taker and he has a little backstage promo here um so we're not letting go of that story just yet but he talks about how Uncle Paul, uh, Paul Bear, was talks about his burning flesh from the night before and how he never cried, which I think I pointed out, or you and I both pointed out, that 
Paul Bear didn't really sell the uh, <laughs> fireball to the face that he's ate. But um, Mankind kind of covers it here, saying how tough he is, and he's disfigured now, but he didn't cry, he didn't whine about it, he just took it like a man. So I, I wonder if they're covering for that, if it's just part of the genius of Mick Foley. I don't know. But anyway, that, so that that's just a little lingering thread gonna, gonna, you know, kind of to, to remember here as Undertaker continues his, throughout the summer. Yeah, it's going to get pushed uh, pushed to the back here for this build-up to this pay-per-view, but it is going to play a huge role throughout the summer and into the fall of the Undertaker storylines. And yeah, with that fireball, we talked about how it was botched uh, the night before, but they re-showed it here during this show. They showed it from a lot better camera angles, made it look uh, a lot... Tried to save it yeah. on the video. They even re-recorded some of the commentary, and and because we noted oh. on the pay-per-view that the commentators are just like confused, they don't even know what's happening. So if you go back and watch <laughs> it, it's different commentary than what was the night before. Oh. They're trying to sell it a lot bigger. So if you missed the pay-per-view, then uh, you you had no idea that it was this horrible botch uh, and that it was you know, terrible yeah. to watch. That they saved it, made it look uh, a lot cooler, and. You know, the fireball is going to play into... That's uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to play into what happens in the Undertaker's match here. He's going to fight Triple H in a pretty cool uh, main event here on Raw. It's uh, not a bad match either. It was pretty good. I thought it was pretty, well, no. one of the better TV matches we've seen. Undertaker and uh, Triple H. Triple H really starting to come into his own as a worker. And uh, it, <laughs> it ends with uh, Mankind getting involved in a pretty interesting way. Oh, man. He comes out the top of the ramp with a blowtorch, uh, which, um, if you haven't seen it, guys, it's basically a, a gas can or a gas tank, like a propane tank almost. He's carrying almost like a fire extinguisher, giant hose on the end of it, and then like a lighter where he can, you know, light it and have a flame coming out. Yeah. So he's got that. So the commentary is like, he's going to burn Undertaker. He's going to burn him. So he makes his way down to the, the, um, the, the apron. Does he burn him? No, no, he slammed his head with the tank part of it <laughs> to cause a DQ. Come I on, like, I know what a missed opportunity there to burn to burn him, or at least look like you're gonna burn him. So he hits him with that and uh, causes a DQ, and uh, then he tries to light the torch. You notice how he couldn't get the thing to light? Yeah, again, the yeah. torch. And, Mankind uh, not the best he's... with a uh, fire objects, <laughs> flaming no. objects. So Taker grabs him by the throat, him mankind kind of him and chases him crowd. Um, that's kind of so again, they're building supposed to be building toward Austin and Undertaker, but we're still continuing the mankind feud here, which is strange. So um, yeah, anyway, but after this part of the of Raw, Austin has an interview and he tells Undertaker to bring his belt so he can uh, pass it over to Austin at the pay-per-view, and he said, you can bring your creatures of the night, you can bring all your tombstones, and I don't even care. And then, at the end of that, when Brian Pillman returns, attacks Steve Austin, so, pretty cool Raw. Pretty cool Raw. It is cool, it's kind of, it, it's weird, but I, I, I kind of like this thing, and we're, we're going to see it here in the next couple weeks, too. Everybody's got a lot of different things going on because Stone Cold's feuding with the Hart Foundation. He's feuding with all these guys, but he's feuding with Undertaker too. Undertaker's feuding with Steve Austin, yeah. but he's feuding with Mankind and Paul Bear as well. Everybody's got all these different threads going on and they're all intermingling and going on. And Shawn Michaels is playing into all yeah. this too. So you have to watch the entire show because people, all your favorite guys are involved and all the different storylines are bleeding mm -hmm. into each other. I mean, it's an Attitude Era 
really a signature thing of it. Sure. Um, and when done well, it's really, really cool. When done bad, and we'll see it done poorly uh, to, as well, it's pretty yeah. rough to watch also. But, um, you know, it's it's done really well here. Um, was this the um, ambulance episode? I can't remember if it was this week or the next week with Austin's in the ambulance speeding up. I think no, it, I think that was this week. Anyway, yeah, that's, I think it's this week. I didn't write it down on my notes, but yeah. I think it's this. So week. yeah, me neither, because we're not focusing on him, but that because that's playing into the whole Bret Hart and Hart Foundation Stone Cold feud. But anyway, this is the episode that yeah, um, it's got to be this. Austin pops out of the the ambulance and beats the crap out of Bret Hart and all this stuff. So that's Classic when at the end when Brian Pillman returns. If those of you remember that Brian Pillman and Steve Austin had the gun angle at his house back in like October the year before. Um, this is the continuation of that. So anyway, well, yeah, it's a really good thing. Everybody has a part. Everybody has the storyline. Everybody has on this episode. No matter if it's a jobber, Jesse James, or uh, <laughs> they've all got a storyline. Well, one thing that was not a storyline that they turned into a storyline uh, that we could talk about real quick is they show footage on this episode of Raw, and it's perfect. I don't know. I couldn't find the exact date of when this happened, but it's around then, and perfect time to talk about it. I don't know when else we would talk about it, but this is the infamous incident where Vader and The Undertaker were on a news program in Kuwait. And Vader mm. attacked the reporter for asking if professional wrestling was fake, if it was acting, if it was choreographed. Uh, this was a legit shoot incident. Vader and Taker were there to promote uh, the episode of Raw in Kuwait. The interviewer asked first asked Undertaker. You can go back and watch a YouTube clip. They don't really show the Undertaker's involvement in this segment on tv but you can go back and watch a youtube clip he asked the undertaker is wrestling fake is it staged and the undertaker it's pretty neat because he's it's... out of character he's got sunglasses mm-hmm. on he looks like uh biker take it looks like mark calloway he plays still got with... the teardrop though he does still have the teardrop <laughs> he responds saying well he's basically trying to uh you can tell he's pissed off by the question but he's trying to yeah. keep his calm <laughs> They say this wrestling is not for real. Is it like you you act or? Well, let's put it this way. What we do, if it is acting, we take a normal man and break him in half. You know, that's such an unoriginal question for someone to ask. Uh, you know, and it's so easy for people to pass judgment and make... Uh, all these, these these questions about what wrestling is. Wrestling is one of the finest athletic endeavors that you will ever see. Not only do you get the best of athletics, but you get people who can actually sell tickets by just their character alone. There's several people who could care whether or not I'm rest- I can wrestle or not, but the message that I bring when I go to the ring, my creatures of the night, they don't care what it is. But I mean, let me assure you, it's the most physical thing that you would ever do in your life. He gives, like, the nicest mean response I've ever heard. It's so, like, it's the nicest rude response. It's so right. great. But, yeah, he keeps his calm, keeps his cool. Uh, and, yeah, He's Vader. Like, yeah. The man they call Vader. The Vader goes into business for himself, man. He He's protecting the business, dude. He, yeah. He's doing what... 
guys have been trained to do for years and years and Chuck grabs this guy by his tie. The interviewer flips the table over and ends up getting arrested and put in jail in Kuwait for like two weeks uh, and get, <laughs> <laughs> until this whole thing blows over. They probably just bribed the officials there to get him out of sure, the sure. country. And it was a pretty, pretty famous, infamous incident. And they actually used it to build up Vader's character. But yep. uh, it's a little, you know, the Undertaker plays a small part in that as well. So I just wanted to mention that. Uh, before we jump into the next episode of Raw, 207 and, on April we'll, 28th. We'll find that clip and put it up on our social media account so you, you guys can enjoy that. Because it is neat to see Undertaker out of character at this point. Yeah. Still maintaining his cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, pre- it's very rare yeah. back then. Yeah. But yeah, next next week's Raw, as far as building this match, Undertaker and Stone Cold, there's a Titantron promo. Where Undertaker says that Stone Cold's got all this momentum, but if but you're distracted, you know, by the hearts. So if you come in distracted, you're gonna leave worse than, than you made Bret Hart leave in a wheelchair. Like you're gonna leave this match worse than Bret Hart leaves in a wheelchair. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he gives the old rest in peace. Uh, you know, you're gonna rest in peace. And um, I believe the main event of this episode is British Bulldog versus the Undertaker. Yeah. Another neat um, episode here because previously or earlier on in the night, um, Owen Hart wins the Intercontinental Title. So um, he and Bulldog are the tag champs. He wins the Intercontinental title, and Bulldog is the European champ. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, I always like those storylines where one faction kind of ends up with all the gold. Uh, they did it, you know, Four Horsemen, of course. Evolution did it, and we've seen it, you know, numerous other times in other factions. I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff. Undisputed you just got era. This dominant group. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it in NXT now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Owen Hart, man, uh, Owen Hart and Bulldog, God, just watching this episode just made me miss them so much, because, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, everyone loves Bret Hart, and you point to Bret Hart when you talk about the Hart Foundation angle, and just how incredible of a heel he was, but, man, Owen and Bulldog are just off the charts good in their roles, they are. they're cracking me <laughs> up uh, with their comedy, Owen and Brett are on the ramp as Bulldog goes to the ring to face Undertaker, and they stand up there and watch the match, and Undertaker's, the bell tolls for Undertaker's interest, and Owen Hart's facial reaction is just priceless <laughs> <Yeah>. when it happens. <laughs> Looks like he craps his pants. Uh, it's I know. Just, uh, man, like... The little things, man. He got the little things right, Owen Hart did. He was you... so good. And even the comedy, like when the previous week's episode, when they're putting Brett in the ambulance he's like watch his leg you idiot like just the little things <laughs> yes he says are just so funny man he's so good that's can why you... i named my son, my son after him <laughs> i mean can just you kidding. imagine if those guys were like trainers in nxt or agents or just anywhere involved in wwe nowadays just it would be incredible doing commentary i don't know they they had they would have so much so much to offer and you know obviously yeah. And, you know, Eddie Guerrero, terrible tragedy. Chris Benoit, a horrible loss uh, for in, in many, many ways. But got, being robbed of Owen and Bulldogs, the contributions they could give to the business is just one of the saddest things uh, to think about. Man, just depressing. Yeah, I know. It sucks. But ugh, move on to something bigger and better here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bulldog <laughs> takes on Undertaker. Of course, that's a rematch of... One of the Undertaker's yes. <laughs> only title defenses from his original title reign. We only see a couple minutes of it uh, between commercial breaks, but 
yeah, man, the heat is off the charts uh, on these TV shows. The crowd's into all of it. Um, and, of course, Owen and Bulldog interfere, or excuse me, Owen and Brett interfere, or Heart Foundation interferes, Pillman interferes. They're beating down The Undertaker. Austin runs out to save The Undertaker and to beat up on the hearts. And uh, we get a little more a little more buildup between Austin and Undertaker as he grabs The Undertaker's belt, uh, heads to the top rope and starts posing with it. Undertaker's obviously not happy about this, so he gets in the ring all pissed off. Uh, Austin slams the belt down in front of him, gives him the stunner, and then flips yeah. him off, man, uh, which is just gets some huge heat off of that. And he starts posing over him, flipping him off, standing over him, and this was awesome. Undertaker just sticks his hand up, chokes Steve Austin. Austin's eyes just bug out of his head. He sells <laughs> yeah. it perfectly. Undertaker gets up and just lifts him up to the heavens to choke slams him. Man, Austin takes a massive bump off of this. Uh, really, really well done. The crowd is loving it. Austin sells it perfectly and, and rolls out of the ring. And as he rolls out of the ring, he realizes Bret Hart is all by himself out, out on the entryway. Uh, sitting in a wheelchair yeah. and just runs up and attacks him, <laughs> which is just yep. really well done. Uh, everything about this is yeah. just perfectly laid out. Well, it makes sense. You know, things make sense here. Um, we don't talk too much about the current product, but when Charlotte got beat down and lost her title on the cash-in the other day at SmackDown, where was her friend Becky Lynch? Nowhere to be seen. Well, here, everybody had... Yeah, everybody has a reason for why they're there and why they're here on this episode of Raw here. So um, Neidhart comes back at this point. He returns, um, I think because Brian Pillman legit twisted his ankle the week before. Mm -hmm. So they had to bring Neidhart back to work some six-man tags. Anyway, he throws Austin off the stage, and Austin does a stretcher job, So which I don't remember. I didn't remember that at all. But, yeah. Um, but it's funny how all this like, chaos taking place on Raw and this stuff with the Hart Foundation and Austin Taker – it's funny how uh, it mimics all this NWO stuff from even the year before. Um, it's 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 it worked for WCW and it's working for for WWF at this time too. So pretty funny to see. It's funny to see, and what else is funny is on Raw two thousand or Raw two oh eight on May fifth, Ahmed Johnson heard your complaints, dude. He wears is this where he wears the pajama pants? He or wears sweatpants when he wrestles, man. No more butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been listening. <laughs> I rip on his butt cheek all the time. So, yeah, he put some PJs on. I uh, went to the Mick Foley uh, outfit store, got some pajamas, <laughs> wrestles, actually wrestles a match on national television. In well, I mean, he was wrestling Horrible. rockabilly, so he probably just didn't care. So what, what does it matter what off. he's wearing? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Everyone's gonna change the channel when that match comes on. Anyway, yeah, we're gonna waste his butt cheek on that no, match. Never, so, never. <laughs> go ahead. Well, this episode is just very confusing, and not just because of Ahmed's fashion wear. I, let's try and figure out what exactly happened here. I, I want to hear what you thought happened because I'm not sure. The, the Undertaker. Does an interview in the ring with Vince McMahon, and the story apparently is that someone has stolen his title belt. And uh, it's really interesting because Vince McMahon calls it a belt, which we know mm -hmm. he doesn't like to do anymore. So, uh, again, we talked about he used the word hospital 
uh, on last week's episode, and here he is using yeah. the word belt. Yeah, Undertaker says, So rest assured, before this fateful night is over, the wretched soul who took the belt of the creatures will pay and pay dearly. And as far as Stone Cold Steve Austin goes, the flame that is your fury will be extinguished by the darkness. Austin, I respect the flame, but it'll be a cold day in hell before you become World Wrestling Federation. Champion. So I guess they had to get that line in there, the cold day in hell. Yeah, thing, you got to work that hadn't in. Been said yet. <laughs> but again, noted here, the, his theme music plays the entire promo again. Yeah. Like you mentioned uh, last week's episode. But um, yeah, so he says someone has stolen his WWF title, which I assumed it was Austin from the week before when we just we just recapped that episode about how he take the belt from him. I thought, hmm, maybe I missed that. Yeah, actually, uh, not so fast, my friend. That's not who took it, um, as we'll find out later on in the evening. So, I was confused as well. I thought we, I missed something on, like I said, on Shotgun yeah. or Superstars or, or something. Uh, maybe I fast-forwarded through something on this episode of Raw. I was very confused, but, yeah, I just assumed. And the way they're, they're building it up, they're teasing that it was Stone Cold who stole the belt. So uh, that comes into play in the main event of the night with Stone Cold – taking on British Bulldog, British Bulldog in the main event. Um, and, well, well, before we get to that, um, there is something incredible that happens before this match. Uh, <laughs> Sonny comes out wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt, and they're trying to sell this t-shirt, doing a little ad in the arena, and Doc Hendricks... Oh, man. Doc Hendricks delivers a bit of poetry uh, advertising this Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt. And I thought I might try to recite that for uh, all the listeners out there and for you as well. Please. Would you indulge me? Absolutely. Go go right ahead. Okay. So this is Doc Hendricks' ode to Sonny wearing an Austin 316 t-shirt. Well, it's that time again. Time to let the sunshine in. Looking like that, she's the hottest thing on the scene. Showing off a t-shirt. Austin 316. Austin 316 on the front. Stone Cold Skull on the back. Only $20 plus shipping and handling, and that is a fact. Comes in small, medium, large, extra large, and double XL. This t-shirt is for those who like to raise a little hell. Ooh, do it, Sonny. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wait, poetry. Yeah. yeah. Snap. Snap. <laughs> wow, that was, that was mind-blowing. It was beautiful. You think, Thank you. How long did it take him to write that, you think? <laughs> dude, dude, dude. He did that on the spot. I guarantee I was saying, that came off the top of his head. <laughs> is this... And uh, Jerry Lawler says, you know I like to see that shirt? Where, Jake? Or where, Lawler? On the floor next to my bed. And I was like, oh, you exactly. can't. Exactly. 
Oh man, yep. you'd be fired today. That was horrible. <laughs> man, good job, Doctor. Good on you. For, uh, I, don't know. I mean, I had to share that. That's one of the most beautiful poems I've ever heard. As I said, that that plays into the uh, the main event: Stone Cold versus British Bulldog. Uh, again, this is more chaos here at the end. The Heart Foundation interferes, then everybody comes out. Legion of Doom comes out. Yeah. Furnace and Lafon, of all people, come out. HBK comes out. Then lights go out. Undertaker appears. Vince calls him the Road Warriors. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. He not. says, Here come the Road Warriors. And you know, because that was. You can't use that. It's WCW, you know. He mm. he rebranded them as Legion of Doom, you know. So he was like, "Here come the Road Wars." I was like, "Whoa, little slip." Somehow, Furnace and Lafon got dragged into this like Heart Foundation. I don't know if they were gonna be put in the Heart Foundation, and then they weren't. But somehow they're in this melee, and they're attacking everyone. They have no dog in the fight. They're just <laughs> beating up everyone. And then yeah, that's when the, everyone's brawling. The lights go out, and and the lights come back up, and Undertaker just uh, magically. I haven't seen quite as much of that recently here in his run, so that was cool to see. So, did the belt also just magically appear in the ring, or did somebody have it? This was what I was confused about, and maybe I missed it as I was watching it. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see Owen have it, but at some point, it winds up that Owen has the belt, and they're like, "Oh, Owen was the one who took the belt." I was like. I don't know, man. It just seemed like, uh, you know, like a MacGuffin in the movies, somebody's chasing after it and it makes no <laughs> sense. Uh, it was a strange, strange storyline, but at least they played throughout the episode. Anyway, I don't know. Somebody else out there knows what happened, please let us know. Well, it gets passed around during this brawl, and Austin ends up with it. Taker snatches it from him, kind of lays it out like a line in the sand in the middle of the ring. Uh, Austin tries to walk away, and Undertaker starts just wailing on him uh, big pull apart brawl to end the show um, maybe I guess I guess what they're trying to do now that you say that is maybe the Hart Foundation is just trying to stir up stuff between Taker and Austin yeah. uh, and Taker and Austin are, aren't trusting each other so it's making them fight each other more and the Hart Foundation is just playing them against each other sure. but that makes sense didn't come off really clear on TV and uh, as I you know it's really cool build up, but honestly, it's not really making me want to see Undertaker no. versus Steve Austin. I'm I'm invested in what's happening, but probably not buying this pay per view back in the day just based just to see that match. Goodness no. There's no way I would put the money down for this pay per view. Yeah. I mean, granted they had only had three episodes of Raw to build it with. And one was one was the night after a pay per view and one's six days before, so they really only had one week in between to really do anything else, so that was their own fault for scheduling it like that. Yeah. Kind of like they did in pay-per-views that were every other week apart. So, anyway. But, yeah, they got a brawl as brawl goes off the air, and that brings us to In Your House from the Richmond, Virginia. That's a classic venue, man. Oh, yeah. You hear a lot of the uh, Jim Crockett stuff and WCW and even WWF stuff at the Richmond Coliseum. So, what a classic place. Too bad they got this done. show. <laughs> yeah, and too bad it was on Mother's Day. Why would you book... <laughs> A pay-per-view on Mother's Day. Like, can you imagine trying to beg your mom to watch a WWF pay-per-view on Mother's Day? Like, yeah, that night. You're never Wednesday getting night, away with that, man. No, 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 not no. Not a chance. Not unless, not unless your mom 
is I don't know related to one of these guys. I have no <laughs> idea how you're gonna get on or the, dating one fork out the money. Or that's true. That's true. So yeah, but here we are, May 11, 97, uh, uh, Mother's Day, which I mean I wouldn't have had any idea unless Jr. said it. Happy Mother's Day, he yeah. says. <laughs> it opens with a voiceover and a video various clips of Taker and Austin, but it's not a lot of clips of them together. It's kind of just like clips of them apart and a little bit from the last week when they brawl but again it's not much build up so it's hard to make a video package of the story that's being told here yeah they're just kind of trying to sell it as sort of like we mentioned a few weeks ago uh just kind of like a tough man contest these two two biggest uh tough guys in the wwf wwf right now and and they're gonna duke it out and have a big old fight with each other so that's that's the best way they're trying to sell it uh, Stone Cold. God, I wish they said, let's duke it out. That'd be awesome. Oh, man, that would be You cool. and me, duke it out. Cold damn hell. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something like Aiden English should say nowadays. Absolutely. Or like Jack Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that could be his catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stone Cold has a quick little interview. He doesn't say out. that. He says, I don't know if The Undertaker's checked the weather lately, but I'll be damned if hell ain't about to freeze over, and that's the bottom line. Stone Cold with the one-liners, uh, <laughs> and uh, King has a good one-liner as Stone Cold is about to enter the arena. He says, "If Stone Cold ran the country, the national bird would be the finger." <laughs> yes, I wrote that down too. I was going <laughs> to share that. Oh yeah, that was great, man. He he is classic man, and classic Jr. Too. And one thing again, building the storyline between the Hart Foundation and Austin. Apparently, um, the Hearts had some chair had some seats in the front row and they got kicked out and so then they went on the street and bought some tickets from some scalpers and they bought the front row seats the heart foundation and brian pillman they they make sure to say brian pillman is not in the heart foundation right the heart foundation and Brian Pillman. Um, anyway they buy the first five five rows right there first five seats in the front row right there so that'll come into play it will and again that's the that's the whole idea here is that stone cold is distracted by the Hart Foundation. He has so much going on here. Undertaker, even though he's got stuff with Mankind on the back burner, that hasn't played as much into this match. But Stone Cold has to deal with the Hart Foundation interfering. He has to deal with their rivalry, their rivalry with him, as well as his fight with the Undertaker. And it's going to be too much for him to deal yeah. with both. And the Heart Foundation are going to try to, they're going to mess with the Undertaker as well, but they're really more out there to mess with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, yeah, the match. Sure. And, well, speaking of Stone Cold, when he comes when he comes out uh, to his entrance, JR says he's got the disposition of a rattlesnake. And I don't remember hearing that um, maybe on Raw or something, but I don't remember hearing that on a pay-per-view yet. But, again, we haven't covered strictly Austin stuff, but this was it just it just was significant enough for me to write it down that he's you know, he's pointing out the rattlesnake thing right at this point in his career, which again that would that's what they still call him, you know, the rattlesnake. So I just thought it was neat, you know. But there's no no real new additions to the entrance or outfit of Undertaker. And that's one thing we try to focus on here on Talking Taker. Um although when he brings the lights up, you know, he raises his arms and lights come up, the thunder rolls. In the background. I wish that would have been his uh, interest music for a WrestleMania or something. <laughs> thunder rolls. He raises arms and the, the thunder rolls. That'd be great, man. Garth Brooks just so. flies out out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, he and Undertaker probably have some of the same T-shirts. They enjoy those. They're probably best boy. friends, man. 
I feel like they would be. Yeah. Drinking buddies. So. Um, they, uh, it's just a great atmosphere in the arena for this match. The, the it's, you know, we've talked about, uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about babyface versus babyface matches and how it can be kind of weird. But yeah, I think cause these guys both straddle the line so much, uh, it really works cause they're both able Austin kind of plays heel somewhat. Undertaker kind of plays heel yeah. somewhat during this match. Mm-hmm. And the crowd is into it the whole time. It really felt like it. it was a really cool atmosphere in here. And Stone Cold is just so over on an incredible level at this point. Um, and it's still early into his rise, but he's still over huge. And Undertaker is just always over. So uh, the crowd right. is the crowd's into all, everything that they're doing. Um, and Stone Cold kicks things off. Uh, he attacks Undertaker before Undertaker can even get his gear off. Uh, he, so they're trading punches. Undertaker still got the belt on uh, around his waist while they're starting yeah. to fight <laughs> in the beginning of the match. It, it um, <clears throat> reminded me of – remember when Chris Jericho used to do that intentionally on Nitro? He'd wrestle with yes. his, his cruiserweight title on and stuff. Uh, it reminded me of that, man. Yeah. I popped huge for that. He's still got his jacket, his belt on. And even when Undertaker goes on the offense in a second, you know, he turns things around. He's still got the belt on, you know, shooting Austin into the ropes and clothes on him and stuff, still with the belt on. I thought that was pretty pretty neat. So. It's pretty funny. Uh, Austin goes yeah. to the outside, uh, gets thrown out by Undertaker, and that's when Heart Foundation gets involved the first time uh, because Austin just – he gets tossed over towards the Heart Foundation and just – Pulls Owen Hart out over the guardrail and starts wailing on him. Starts punching a Davy boy. Uh, so yeah, they, they, we can tell that this is going to play a factor into this match. Yeah, being completely unprovoked, like he just grabs them over and beats the crap out of them. So pretty cool. Um, and back in the ring, uh, Austin's in control, and Undertaker then hits a flying clothesline, and he goes for old school again. Which it's I didn't realize how early on in these matches he would do old school. I always thought it was more of a later match thing, but it's early on in these matches he would do it. So he does that, and then um, Austin goes a little heel here, and he he gives a thumb to the eye. You know, um, the ref doesn't see it. He pokes him in the eye, and that, that gets a good boo from the crowd. Again, like you said, they're both playing – they can both play face or heel here in this match, and they do, and the crowd does eat it up. Um, but they are quiet during this next part where Austin works a, a really long headlock yeah. um, spot. So. It's pretty long. Uh, yeah. I will say, you know, the Undertaker is trying to fight out of it. They they do a lot of things where he's trying to pin Steve Austin out, trying to turn it into yeah. a pinning combination. So, you know, like we say, both these guys are pros. They, it's not a rest hold, really. They're they're trying to just, you know, cool the crowd down just so they yeah. can bring them back up again but they're keeping them invested they're doing things into it and really this whole match it's you know the, I, I noticed this as i was watching there's no big giant high spots there's mm-hmm. not, you know no just jumps wrestling. out of the ring it's it's more of a psychological battle yeah. uh, and and it's more of a it's more of a brawl than technical but it, they're they're you know, working holds they're working body parts uh and the the story of the match kind of is they're both trying to take out the other one's leg, uh, yeah. And, uh, so they're doing different things to do that. Uh, Austin ends up trying to wrap Undertaker's leg around the post uh, uh, multiple times, uh, and then Taker will go back and do the same thing. Uh, uh, trying, they're both trying to keep each other off their feet. Yeah, and I want to mention the commentary at this part too because Jr. explains that again. That's yeah. what a good commentator is supposed to do is supposed to 
tells the story of the match. And he's explaining, you know, Undertaker is working Austin's leg, so he won't have as much <clears throat> strength on the stunner and can't kick him in the stomach for the stunner, and he can't stand and hold the weight for a tombstone or a choke slam. So I just thought that was, I mean, JR, is, there's nobody better than him. He's when he's on his when he's at on his level when he's at his best he's so good. Um, another thing I want to mention on commentary is Jerry Lawler keeps calling the Hearts fans. He's like, he yeah. also keeps attacking our fans. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> and JR's like, like, they're not fans. He's like, they bought tickets, they're fans. So I just thought that was hilarious. He just completely unprovoked. He's provoking these fans on the outside. It's just such good heel work from Jerry Lawler. Man. So good. He committed to that. He did it the entire yeah. match. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, and he was given. I wouldn't great... have thought of that if I was on comedy. He just. Oh, he was so into it, and he and he was giving good stuff as well. He was giving good analysis because, as the match yeah. goes on, he King points out that both of these guys came in with a strategy to attack the other one's leg, and now they both got to change their strategy because their legs have been taken out. And he points <clears> that out, so it's really cool. You know, people crap on the king, say he's just dirty old man, just telling goofy jokes. And I mean, he does do both of those things, but he also, yeah, he's also a brilliant wrestling mind, and he yeah. understands what they're doing, and he's able to put it over uh, to to the audience and explain that. If you weren't picking it up, King points it out, so you can see what's happening out there. Yeah, absolutely. And at one point, Austin hits the STF, so make John, make John Cena proud. So. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Undertaker pulls out a single leg crab. He does. I know he gets the old Canadian maple leaf, man. Lance Storm, a single leg Boston crab. I mean, you kidding me? I thought that was so cool. But again, these guys are both showing ring psychology. You know, they're both working that leg. So, um, at Uh, one point, or in, in order for Austin to get out of that half crab. He rolls to the outside and he calls for a timeout. He does a little T yeah. symbol. I thought that was pretty funny. So, uh, <laughs> back, back to the King when he when uh, when Austin pulls out the STF King. <laughs> for one of those Ken Shamrock looking things called an STF. What? STF King. You know if you move out of Memphis every now and then you learn some of these holes. Oh, is that right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great, man. That was good. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> did you notice that uh, Undertaker hits a brand new move in in the ring? To uh, I forgot he does like this weird, like he he like arm wrenches his arm and then he like does this high kick to Austin's face, almost like remember when Rico or he step over their arm and kick him in the throat? Yeah, remember that strange move he did? It was yeah. kind of like that. But Undertaker does like this high back heel kick thing. It was weird, but it's a new move to add to his repertoire. So I don't know if he ever does it again. It was neat. <laughs> So. We're seeing all sorts of new stuff in here, um, and you know Austin also does a figure four in yeah. here, uh, does like a spinning toe hold too. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, interesting stuff in here as they're as they're trying to tell the story of this match. Really cool stuff. Uh, they're both uh, they're both kind of like on each other's level. Neither guy gets an advantage this whole match. Neither guy is sure. in control for very sure. long. You know, one guy. Work a hold for a few minutes, do something. The other guy gets back up, and, and he gets right back. They keep fighting out of it. So they're kind of saying, okay, Austin is on Undertaker's level. He is right up there. He could win this match right. if it weren't for the Hart Foundation. Right, exactly. Undertaker goes up for old again. Of course, you can't do it twice in the same match. Mm. So Undertaker crotches him on the top rope, goes for a superplex, but Undertaker just – kind of throws him off and and 
Austin does like a face plant, basically. And then uh, Austin hits a jawbreaker. I mentioned a couple episodes ago how he did a, he did like a jawbreaker and they codified Stunner. Like he can get all of it. JR kind of covers for that. So he does the same exact thing again here. So mm-hmm. And then Undertaker lights him up with punches in the corner. And Austin hits this just a blatant low blow <laughs> just in front of the referee. Uh, well, yeah, this is my favorite part of the whole match. <laughs> Because go ahead, yeah. He, he kicks, he, he does the low blow right in front of the referee. Then the referee turns his back. It's Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner yeah. turns his back uh, to check on the Undertaker, and Austin just flips him the double bird. To, flips Earl Hebner the double bird behind <laughs> his back. Uh, so Undertaker gets up and retaliates with his own low blow to to Stone Cold. And as Austin goes down to sell that, Earl Hebner flips off Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> And the crowd <laughs> pops huge for us. It. Just oh, <laughs> hilarious spot in the middle it. of the match, man. It's so funny, man. But it's like a house how, show thing. Yeah, I know. It was like a house show thing. I thought the same exact thing. So it was, man. It was hilarious though. I laughed out loud watching it. It was so funny. Right after that, I think is when Undertaker hits a choke slam, and it gets kind of a mixed reaction. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not all yays. It's not all boos. It's kind of a mix. You know, because they're like, crap. Here's the end of the match. They don't really know who they want to win yet, you know, Austin or Taker. So the crowd doesn't really pop huge on that. But then um, Austin hits a stunner and goes for the pin. And as he goes for the pin, the ring bell rings. Mm-hmm. Really weird. It seems like, oh, did they botch the finish? Did some, Are they somebody getting disqualified because of the low blows? Uh, it's real confusing. And then you turn the camera turns, and it's Brian Pillman distracting the referee, <laughs> ringing the bell and distracting the referee, <laughs> distracting Austin. Uh, Undertaker's able to use that distraction to sit up. He goes for Tombstone. Austin counters the Tombstone, with tries to go for one of his own, and then Taker flips over. Oh, that spot yeah. always looks cool. And Undertaker yeah. hits a – I mean, he spikes him with his Tombstone. Man. Mm, uh, yeah. It's just – yeah, <clears throat> we know what's going to happen to Austin in a couple months with a Tombstone and – you know, right. This was another one. He just got slammed on his head and is able to get the pinfall and defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin. Another successful title defense for The Undertaker. Yeah, 20 minutes and four seconds. And again, if you, it's a, it's a long match, but it told a good story. You know, it, yes. I wasn't bored. If you're going to nitpick, I would say some of that, you know, headlock stuff in the middle. But, um, the crowd was into it, man. They knew what they were doing. The wrestlers did. They knew exactly what they were doing. So. Oh, yeah. But immediately after the bell rings, it's one, two, three, Heart Foundation. The fans, they come over the <laughs> barricade and start attacking um, Undertaker. And I love that JR is saying, oh, this is going to cost these guys some money. They're going to be fined for this. And yeah. They said that during the match when they did the low blows, too. They said, oh, that, yeah. that should result in a fine. Uh, you just... Uh, Michael Cole, Corey Graves, you know, they never say stuff like that, man. They never act no. like any of this stuff has any kind of consequences. And I mean, that's, right. that's just common sense wrestling stuff. That <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes you buy into it, makes you believe it's real. Right. Uh, it's just part, part of keeping it real. Uh, and I miss when they used to say stuff like that. Yeah, and we pointed that out with several things in this podcast with, you know, JR saying so and so's been fined or they've been suspended and just seems gives it more authenticity. Um but yeah, uh they do point that out here. And so Austin attacks Brett in the wheelchair and he takes a, a crutch to fight off the, the rest of the foundation and um Taker chokeslams Owen Hart and Undertaker holds up the, the WWF belt 
and he turns around into a Stone Cold Stunner and a couple <laughs> perks. So. Yeah, and and Undertaker's music is just playing this whole time. He he lays there and he sells, and yeah. his music keeps playing. You know, nowadays it'd be Stone Cold's yeah. music that was playing right there, but <laughs> Undertaker's music just keeps playing. And I thought I was gonna go off the air with him laying there, but uh, Austin runs out of the ring and goes after the Heart Foundation again, but. Undertaker got, does get up pretty quickly, and he starts chasing back yeah. everybody towards the back as well. So he is able to get up and save face a little bit. But, man, it, again, right. it goes to show you where the priorities were in the company right then is the fact that Stone Cold, he might have lost the match, but he gets to hit the last move uh, and kind of he gets the last stand victorious yeah. there at the end, even though Undertaker's the champ. So, yeah, interesting. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, again, and all this stuff, again, we keep covering Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin on this Talking Taker podcast, but, again, all these storylines are flooding into each other. They're all crossing, and they will continue to do that for the remainder of this year, 1997, I feel like. All these guys are going to crisscross the rest of the year, so um, we hope you guys enjoy that because we definitely do, and all these episodes are all I really need to go back and watch and relive. And, again, just seeing when Russo takes over, how everybody has a storyline and mm-hmm. everything means something. Again, he has a lot of misfires, too, as we all know and are well-documented. Um, but definitely this beginning stage of his, of his help with writing Raw and the storyline here is good. Um, you can tell they want to beat Nitro. They're putting all their effort into it, and they're doing a good job. So, Oh, absolutely. And uh, it would take a long time before that would happen, but uh, it's all really based on yeah. what's happening here. But we're going to cover all that in the weeks to come. That's going to about do it here for this episode of Talking Taker, our exploration through every single Undertaker pay-per-view match. We appreciate you for joining us in this part of the ride. We want you to keep on along with us on this journey so you – uh, should subscribe to us or whatever you're listening on, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, or somewhere else. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating or a comment. Let us know what you think of everything. And of course, follow us along on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Talking Taker. On all of those platforms, we post all throughout the week. We don't just post the episodes, we post previews we post pictures we post videos all the fun stuff leading up to the match yeah you are welcome to watch all the raws and pay-per-views along with us but we'll show you some of the highlights on those pages to get you excited we'll show you some exclusive stuff that's not on the wwe network uh we'll do all the digging on youtube and daily motion and put that out there for you and uh, i've got you can follow on the instagram page talking taker a lot of exclusive old classic stuff of me and Travis's two journeys to WrestleMania and my journey to WrestleMania this year. A lot of fun stuff over there. And uh, we love to interact with you on Twitter. I want to read a couple tweets from a follower who sent us a couple comments from our last week's or two weeks ago episode on WrestleMania 13. Uh, this is, uh, I'm probably going to butcher this name, at Hamanicart617 uh, Bodisan. I think that's his other handle on there. So sorry if I'm butchering those. I don't know. But he said that match from WrestleMania 13 has memories for two reasons. Number one, being excited watching Taker come out with the classic gray-colored gloves that matched his boots that night, of course. And number two, after the show was over, my dad made me write an apology to someone from an incident in school that I was a part of. So, of course, I had to ask him, 
all right, you got to tell us more about that. So I, I asked him if it was, <laughs> if that incident was wrestling related. He said, sigh, yes, LOL. A bunch of us kids at the time were playing around during lunch, and I super kicked a kid in the shin, and I was sent to the principal's <laughs> office. Mania was already ordered before the incident occurred, and I sat there watching the show, getting lost in all the moments. But by the end of the show, after Taker won the title, my dad reminded me of what I had done at school and made me sit back down and write an apology. So, <laughs> I thought... So- he could have originated sweet shin music, ah, you know, like awesome. dude love did. So excellent. Well, thank you for that excellent commentary and memory from WrestleMania 13. Didn't you say, didn't you tell me, I don't think we recorded it, but you told me that you saw someone in a WrestleMania 13, like a uh, jacket at Mania this past couple weeks ago. Or I did. He was mm-hmm. also in section 619. So shout out to that guy who had the <laughs> vintage WrestleMania 13 jacket. That was pretty rad. Um, and- awesome. Thanks for the story, uh, Bodhisan. Uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty relatable story. Uh, I remember a story with you, Travis. You weren't fighting anybody, <laughs> but uh, it involved some crotch chops in school directed at a certain oh. teacher of ours. Uh, if you didn't get in trouble for something wrestling-related in school back in the day, were you even really a wrestling fan? I mean, that's that's my question. Right. Uh, or there was that super kick on our friend Doug that our, the substitute teacher walked in and thought I legitimately kicked him in the chin and was about to write me up in the principal's office. I had to get Doug to stand up and explain to her that we were just playing wrestling. He <laughs> sold it so song. well, dude. He, was, he did, man. It was, it was awesome. great. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you were there at the Richmond Coliseum on May 11th, of 2000 and no yeah may 11 2000 and no not 2000 1997 please let us know if you were there the richmond coliseum we want to know and you go ahead and say what you're going to say that's perfect uh i was going to say two other quick shout outs uh for just a couple things out there undertaker fans in case you missed them uh we posted these up on our social media page but there's an excellent article on the ringer about yes. The Undertaker that came out right before WrestleMania. It was kind of a an oral history of sorts about him, interviews with a lot of people involved with him over the years, sort of about the creation and the mystique of that character, a long-form article. A lot of times on these more mainstream sites, when they write about wrestling, it's it's not very good. It's, it's kind of cheesy or it's a lot of stuff you already knew. This one was excellent. I really recommend going out of your way to watch this or read this one. And then, Travis, I think you wanted to point out the WWE 24 special on Raw 25 is a good watch for Undertaker fans. Yeah, it gives um, it gives a little backstage, out-of-character um, glimpse at the Undertaker, at Mark Calloway. And he sees in the limo getting ready to, to arrive at Raw 25. And uh, you can tell that he doesn't have as long a hair as we saw at WrestleMania. Um, but he... he, he interacts with x-pac and it's pretty funny um and just seeing him out of character and talk about it and talk about being at the manhattan center and how he was there on the first raw and um in the main event and it's just his interaction with x-pac is worth watching it's i'm not going to spoil it for people but it's let us know if you guys watched it and what you thought about him and, and x-pac and, and lula uh, it's pretty funny so it, <laughs> i did was, enjoy that i appreciated that yeah. <laughs> and of course don't forget to pick up your Talking Taker, Taker Easy t-shirt over at tpublic.com. Travis is rocking his right, right now. now. I rocked mine at WrestleMania. I'm not wearing my – I'm wearing my uh, my nineteen my 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin WWF Attitude Ooh, yes. shirt. 
uh, authentic, my middle school t-shirt. I'm rocking that right now. I had to pull it out for the Stone Gold Steve Austin <laughs> episode. The first of many Stone Gold Steve Austin episodes yes. of Talking Taker. Uh, so I will be busting this out many <laughs> times. And I'll throw a picture of that up on the Instagram page. So you can get your own Taker Easy t-shirt. And they uh, they might be on sale right now. I think the April sale on Public is going on as we speak. So go get it cheap. And, and man, it's not just t-shirts. It's hoodies, stickers, onesies mugs you know, all sorts of take easy stuff man so go check it out and support our show other than that ladies and gentlemen we'll see you next week on talking taker take her easy